Thanks for tuning in, guys. You're listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go! Hi, welcome to the show. It's episode 46 of Ace Comicals, and we are one week away from Halloween. One week. One week to the day when this podcast released. So I've been trying to get myself in a spooky mood and uh, we're going to be talking about some of the things that I've been doing in order to achieve that. And today I'm joined by both my co-hosts. I have Rahul. Hey there. And I have Liam. Hey, hello. Yeah, so guys, um, how have you been since we last spoke? Leon should go first because he's been doing stuff and I've done nothing in these intervening two weeks. He's been missing the longest. <laughs> um. Well... I haven't really been doing stuff. I've actually just been sat by the beach or by a pool or by another pool sipping cocktails for the week. And it's been pretty good. Where did you go, man? I went to the Island of Rhodes. Um, I was at a resort in Lardos, just south of uh, Lindos on on the southern coast of Rhodes. And I pretty much had my first ever chill-out holiday. Because you guys know me, I'm a city break adventurer. I go to a city, grab a hotel, only really sleep in that hotel and spend the rest of the time uh, checking out, sightseeing, museums, uh, doing a hell of a lot of walking and often getting more exercise on holiday than I do when I'm back home. Ending up with that annoying cliche, needing a holiday after my holiday BS. But this time was actually recharge, switch brain off, get a massage, chill out mode. And got to say, it was pretty good. Nice. I don't think I could have every holiday be like this, but it is nice to have a sort of late year recharge, especially um, just... I don't know, following like months and months of just like in the zone working and feeling like I'm burning the candle at both ends. So yeah. it was uh, much needed and um, it was really good. Yeah. The thing sounds... is, well, yeah, it, it, it was really good. And yeah. the thing that's super perverse is that um, for the first time on a holiday, I needed to like load up on stuff. So. Like, I filled my phone with, uh, like, Netflix and Amazon Prime downloads, updated my Kindle, um, put new comics on my comic readers. I was all ready to go. And, man, I did barely any of that. Uh, (laughs) I even had, like, a bunch of new games on the Switch. And I think those are what I did the most, playing um, some, like, it's gonna it's gonna sound like an oxymoron, but some nighttime chill sessions of um, Overcooked too. Um, yeah, what I did mostly was listen to music um, by the beach, the aforementioned beach, with my eyes closed and a cocktail in my hand. And um, yeah, I listened to a lot of music, um, a lot, a lot of music, and I completely forgot the world existed. Um, and now I'm back, and it's great, guys. Nice. To put you on the spot, and I apologise for putting you on the spot, but if there was going to be one song that was the soundtrack to your holiday, what would it be? Or one album? It would probably be um, Blood Orange's Negro Swan. 
which came out um, about a month and a bit ago. Um, big fan of Blood Orange's work, highly recommend, but um, I feel like this latest album is probably like a culmination of all of his efforts in a way. And the sound is evolved and the collaborators are just all all like creating really good music and it's hard to explain the type of music you've just got to listen to it really but in ways it's um in ways it's so soulful funky but in other ways it's quite um upbeat and um uh, spoken word in places it 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 is really hard to explain but i definitely recommend checking out on spotify or like um apple music or whatever you use it's a really good album and i'd say my second runner-up um album for the holiday would have been uh gel money um, dirty computer um i've probably spoken in the past but i'm a big fan of hers and i love the albums and those were the two things constantly going through my ears as i sat back chilled out nice that sounds, sounds good. really good. Yeah. <laughs> sounds I mean like I'm I'm going to I mean like that sounds really nice like a really decent chill holiday. I'm I don't often do chill holidays because I'm not a beach guy because I disintegrate in the sun because I have like <laughs> the the palest skin, the like the I'm, I'm like I have like um like really really fair skin. I burn really quickly like ridiculously fast i don't i don't do sunshine so i end up even when i'm on these types of holidays i end up sitting in the shade somewhere reading or something you know it's like i can't that's why this is why i'm i'm like i'm not a beach holiday person but yeah that sounds really nice though well, Definitely. I think it's it's less about the literally being in the sun park because, like, I'm not a big fan of that myself either. Yeah. Like, if I'm at the beach, I'd rather go swimming. But it's the whole thing about actually doing a beach holiday as opposed to a city break or a yeah. like yeah. a touristy walking sightseeing thing. Yeah. Like, I think we've all expressed in the past that we tend not to be beach yeah. holiday or relaxing holiday people, mm. and we've all hit that point where we're like, yeah, we had a really nice time on a beach holiday. So I'm waiting mm. to hear from you, like, next spring maybe, where you say, God, I did it for the first time and I really loved it. Yeah. It's, it's like, our 30s man they just, they just caught yeah. up with us do you know, <laughs> that's what it is yeah. do you know what I like right now if I was to go on holiday right now do you know what I'd want to do I'd want to just like lock all my doors and take a week off work and just not leave my house like and just and just entertain myself with everything that I already have that I've been putting off for weeks and things like that you can do that, and you don't even need to take any uh, holiday time. It's called pulling a week-long sickie. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, go to the ocean and, like, track down a killer whale or something. Like, no. I figured I could picture you doing that, like, so, like bundling together your own raft made out of yeah. comic books, and then, like, harpooning a giant squid in the eye. I'm Ahab. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, Greg, if you were at this resort, yeah, I could fully see what you would have done, because... Um, sorry to bring this up again, but uh, you could have read comics by the sea. Yep. You could have read comics by the pool. Yep. And you could have read comics by your own pool, which I had in my room. What? Like, there were so many areas <laughs> for you to read comics, Greg. Uh, like, you've got to try out one. It's always, yeah. you don't need to be in the sun. I went on holiday with 
someone with a complexion that Snow White would be saying you need to get a tan girl. But <laughs> it still works, man. It still works. Yeah. No, yeah, water I'm... damage, man. Sun damage, salt water damage, chlorine yeah. water damage. Greg's not taking his comic books anywhere near those water sources. <laughs> chlorine. <laughs> well, these, these were natural water pools, man. I've, I'm going <laughs> to chime in now and I'm going to tell you, like, by comparison to your last two weeks, I've, I've had a fairly nerdy two weeks. Uh, and these are all the things I've been doing to try and get myself in the spirit of Halloween and other things as well. So uh, we'll start off with what I caught at the cinema because I caught Venom. And that's all I'm going to say about that. I watched it. Um, oh, ouch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Taking Is away it... taking away the fact that it's, you know, it's just it's just not a good film. But is it so bad it's funny or is it just terrible? Depending well, on the company. Like, me and Marvin had a really good time, like, yeah. just ripping it apart. But... Oh, yeah. I can yeah. imagine that if you went by yourself, you'd come out of it thinking no. that it was a waste of... I think it's like only an hour and 20 minutes long. Mm. It felt really short. Yeah. But like it was still a waste of your time. I, so. went, with, I went with Sophie um, and we were kind of laughing at it together a little bit. Like in the cinema, like Sophie kept looking at me and kind of miming like, what is this? You know, <laughs> It has its moments. It has some, some interesting moments. Yeah. But like that's, that's not enough yeah. to, so... to put it together. Can you guys explain to me how they managed to get two um, Oscar nominees and a Emmy and Golden Globe winner to be the main stars in this movie? Money, dear boy. Money. <laughs> also, it's got a Marvel label on it. Yeah, I like how they have like the big flashy red Marvel sign, but it says in partnership with... <laughs> like in really small letters like they have to they have to get it in somehow but like yeah. you can't get away with claiming that it's full marvel no because it's mean, not mcu i think people attempted to do it just because of the buzz because it's got a marvel it's got marvel attached to it and it's money mm. yeah so and that 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 means even more money because hey look it's a marvel film and i think it did re- i think it was like I, I i know a guy that works at the cinema and he was telling me that even though it's a supposedly a terrible film and it got trashed by critics and people have been walking out saying what the heck was that it's still been doing reasonably well at their box office. It did really well in yeah. um, the US as well. So, mm. yeah, like, like the sequel coming. He was he was saying will, it was still like like making money. I will say the best part of that movie was legitimately like the, the end credit sequence is so good, like so good. And I don't want to say what it is, but if you if you're curious and you don't want to go see the film, maybe just Google what you know what comes after the credits. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, that. I mm. burst out laughing, like literally could not hold it in when I saw that. But <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, yeah, no. Um, and I'm talking about like the very, very end. Yeah, like, no, I, I know, I know. Scene that... No, I know. Yeah, I know. Okay, good, good. Oh no, that oh the the very very end. Yes. Yeah, I yeah, burst yeah. out laughing in a good way at that. Like a three minute long extended yeah. trailer. Yeah. But the yeah. the mid credit scene. <laughs> just thinking about it right now um but yeah uh, no i can't yeah just i i think i described it to you guys as a train wreck didn't i yeah it's not far off i i'd I'd agree with that i mean if you want me to get into like movie criticism mode it does have that thing where it's really frenetically edited where it doesn't allow itself to enjoy the jokes that it's trying to make so like it just does that thing where it it's like it's almost like the the movie equivalent of having a laughter track 
where it edits it's and edits stuff in a way where you you feel like you're supposed to laugh, but if you think about it, you're not actually having that much fun, and it's really frustrating once you pick pick up on it. Yeah, yeah, I'm just not a fan of it. No, yeah, no, it was it wasn't a great film at all by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so I caught that, and I also um, Riverdale's back. So I've been watching some Riverdale, and Riverdale's getting spooky. Riverdale's got Hell this whole... Yeah, Riverdale's oh. getting culty. It's getting culty, Leon. And we're two episodes <laughs> in. Forget Riverdale. Oh, I want, I want yeah. Sabrina. So, Oh, yeah, so do I. And that happens this Friday. This Friday night, Sabrina drops on... Well, actually, Sabrina drops on Netflix, and it's just going to be something that... Yeah, Definitely. I really want Sabrina. Yeah, Friday, 26th of October, so the Friday after this podcast comes out. Yes, yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think I, I, I get this. I have this theory that what they're currently doing with Riverdale without spoiling too much is going to tie up to Sabrina in some way, maybe. I'm hoping. Um, because it's kind of leaning that way, which I really I like. feel like... Like, tonally, it's been going in that direction for a long time anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. But, like, my whole aesthetic has been listening... Like, I've been walking to work listening to, um, like, 70s-inspired... Like, like um, stoner rock, occult rock. <laughs> like, all this kind of, like, 70s-inspired... Imagine them driving around in hippie wagons type stuff. Um, like, you know, the VW camper... Hmm. like 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 um but you know like when you the kind of music that you associate with like that kind of like and those films that are kind of um set in that time that you get now like films like mandy right which i've seen yeah but i've not seen mandy yeah mandy's great i've watched that as well in the last two weeks um but yeah, it's it's got that 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 kind of aesthetic, like a cult rock and and like Black Sabbath type stuff and stuff inspired by Black Sabbath and whatever. And it's all very it's all very Octobery and very witchy. And then Riverdale's doing this for me. And then I went to see Halloween as well. I've been and seen the new Halloween, which is absolutely brilliant. Like if you're gonna go see a film, go see that because that's great. And I believe that's next on our list, actually. Yeah, yeah. I like all the stuff I've been hearing about it as well. Like. Um, little nods to the original and everything else and i won't i won't talk too much about it because you haven't seen it yet and obviously you want to enjoy it but yeah it's absolutely fantastic Mm. um and yes uh daredevil season three to round it off for the stuff i've watched and the stuff i've caught over the past couple of weeks i'm like six episodes into daredevil season three and oh my god it's great like daredevil is definitely the best of those netflix marvel shows i think i've said it like loads of times on here but yeah and one of the only surviving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, it, it. I think it's a little bit weird that Luke Cage and Iron Fist got cancelled at the same time. Yeah, you have a theory about this, don't you? Yeah, everyone th- on the internet has a theory about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, th- I, I don't know. I've not looked at everyone else's theories, but I don't know if my theory is the same, Leon. My theory is that, is that they're going to do heroes for hire. Yeah, that's pretty much everyone but- and their mum's theory. Yeah, but if you watch the end of season three of, uh, season two even of Iron Fist, um, you, um, they kind of hint at a Heroes for Hire, but a different type of Heroes for Hire, Hmm. involving different characters, um, but it's still, 
I think I think they do. I think I really think they're going to do a heroes for hire. Yeah, the weird thing of that is that obviously, like I was saying, it's been the prevailing theory of social media. But one thing that struck me weird is that everyone's expecting because Disney have got their own streaming service coming soon that they're doing this to take the power from Netflix. So cancel these shows and then pop them on Disney. The thing that's mm. weird about it, though, is that so Netflix are only the distributor of, of these shows. So when they cancel it, they're saying that they're not going to show it on their network anymore. So if that's the case, Disney, um, or like Marvel Television, who actually produced the show, wouldn't it be the time for them to say, don't worry, people, or, um, yeah, we're doing a Heroes for Hire show on our own network? Because, like, it's a bit weird to cancel the popular shows that are leading into this uh, supposed show that you're going to make. So that's a bit weird if that is the case. Yeah. But on top of that, the showrunner, um, Chio Hidari Koka, the uh, showrunner of Luke Cage, he had like a big like goodbye tweet and stuff. So, I mean, you could estimate mm. or guesstimate from that that it, it'd be a completely new showrunner um, for the new show, the new Heroes for Hire show on um, on Disney streaming service. But then... It's such a messy way to do it like that. I mean, mm. I'm not saying that that's not going to be the case and in a few weeks' time we're yeah. going to get an announcement of that. But it's such a weird thing to have that because, like, mm. I mean, his tweet, he was thanking everybody, the cast, the crew, Marvel, everyone who helped the show. So it's like to clear house completely and have a completely new production staff on this new show, it's just weird. The thing that baffles me is, I mean, I can understand Iron Fist being cancelled, but I, I was under the impression that Luke Cage was really well received. It was. Yeah, and and like, I mean, Iron Fist, I know, has been getting it's it's been, it, it's been like ripped apart, um, and and it is by far the weakest link of the chain if if we're talking about those Marvel shows on Netflix, but like Luke Cage is, uh, Luke Cage is one of the better ones. Like Luke Cage and Daredevil are the two the two better ones in my opinion, mm. you know. So like to cancel Luke Cage when when that's been really well received, as we've said, like people love Luke Cage. So I don't get what they're doing there, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Because bear in mind, I believe it's Netflix who are cancelling this stuff. It's not. Yeah. It's not Disney saying we're not producing these shows anymore. Netflix are just so... saying that they're not allowed to show it anymore. Maybe and so maybe. Netflix are pulling their weight and saying, we know you've got your service. Give us your Pixar movies back or we're not going to show your stupid superhero crap. But who knows? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But yeah, um, maybe we will get a Heroes for Hire out of it. That'd be quite nice if we did. But then again, Netflix have just gone and done that cool thing where, you know, like um, they've, they, they've just spent money on those Marvel shows because on the, the when you log into netflix and you scroll through it's got like its own special section with like animated moving characters in the background and stuff like when you highlight daredevil he kind of shadow boxes and jogs on the spot or whatever and things like that and it's like they've just spent loads of money on rolling something like that out to showcase their special 
Marvel shows that only Netflix have. This is why you get Netflix because of this kind of thing. Throwing it in your face and then that to happen. I don't know. But yeah. Um yeah, that that about wraps it up. Oh yeah, um I, I remember talking about it to you, Leon, before how I was um doing that uh, a uh a, a D and D campaign because my D and D campaign finished, the one that I was playing in a long time. Um, and we got to the end of it, like the end of a campaign, and I'm doing my own kind of episodic thing now, where I'm running a game. So I'm running a game that is based on Ghostbusters in the D and D world, but it's the modern D and D world, which is the same world our last campaign was set in. So D and D in modern time, D and D, but it's 2018. People have mobile phones and stuff, um, and it's based on Ghostbusters. It's called Spectre Quashers, and I've started running that, and that was really cool. I ran the first one of those on Saturday. Um, with my with my group who are always a great bunch of guys to play D&D with I couldn't ask for a better group basically yeah it was really cool and uh, we got to the end of the material that I had planned we finished the first episode if you like and um, yeah it, it was enjoyable it was fun I did this whole thing where um, they kind of went to the the uh, the base of operations, the firehouse, if you will, and uh, they all met up, and you know they had these. They they'd all come with like stubs off a poster for a job application, a really ambiguous job application, promising large amounts of money for very little effort type thing. You know, research and all this stuff. Like you, all you have to do is test my equipment. Um, so they all turn up, and uh, they get they get their first call, and they get sent to a um, a college that's having trouble with um, a lot of its male students winding up dead in dorm rooms um and they don't know why and there's like members of the faculty appearing on lists and then disappearing like you know do it turning up teaching three lessons and then never seeing them ever again and things like that um and it turned out that there was um a bunch of succubi uh that had infiltrated the college and were basically harvesting the place for souls um, because the whole point of Succubi in the D&D world is they corrupt you and then take your soul down to the Nine Hells uh, or the Lower Plains or whatever. And um, they had infiltrated and uh, it, this all culminated where because the Dean had been trying to keep it quiet. And this all culminated um, when the Spectre Crushers got a call and the Dean's outside wringing his hands. And there's this supernatural frat party going on in one of the houses. Um and it's just a mess because people, there's like bodies everywhere. People have danced to death and things like that. And there's these three succubi kind of orchestrating it all. Everybody's like a puppet, you know, charmed people bringing them drinks and things like that. And and I, yeah. And then they they had to take on these guys and trap them and take them back to the professor, which was really cool. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'd Play love that. to be part of one of your D&D games one day. <laughs> if we could ever make it happen in Leicester. Yeah, dude, yeah. Hmm. One one day I will run a one shot for you guys when you're up here. Damn It'll straight. be fun. Yeah. So we did that. Uh, we play fifth edition, by the way, which um, is really easy and the rules are really nice and clear. So it's quite it's quite simple, quite easy to get the hang of. As long as you've got everything in front of you, you're fine. It's great. Um, and yeah, that kind of wraps up what I've been doing for the last two weeks. So and uh yeah i've been slowly trying to get myself into spooky mode because it's halloween in a week's time and i'm really excited about that and i need to buy some pumpkins i've got (laughs) one pumpkin but i need probably about three or four more speaking of uh spooky mode and since we've been talking about tv Mm. lately have have you watched the haunting of hill house well yes 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 i have i've watched like half of episode one and i think i remember telling you right before we started recording that i didn't like it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was leading you into a trap there, Greg. Because <laughs> I'm I'm only halfway through. Well, season one is um, 
10 episodes i think yeah i'm on episode six and i'm really loving it like yeah. i feel like we have very polar opinions on this show i'm really really loving the fact that it's like a family drama um with this undercurrent of like horror and tragedy that's going on in this family's lives and i feel like you didn't you didn't have that same feeling with it no I, it, it, the do you know what I don't know what it is, but it's a similar thing. I got turned off from American Horror Story for similar reasons. Okay. Um, and I, think I haven't it's, watched that. I, I think it's because it, it focuses on people drama too much. Like, Maybe I feel like, like a I'm watching. Yeah, hmm. I feel like I'm watching a soap opera, and not a horror. Yeah, that must be just a Marmite thing, because I think that's the thing that makes it work for me, where it's not grotesque horror, and then it's put into a family unit. I feel like it's a family drama first. And then the yeah. like the horror is flavor for it. And like the way I was trying to explain this to my colleagues is I feel like there's a lot of sh- like it's a very contemporary thing for shows to follow like the lost format mm. where you have an excuse genre plot as as a framework for having all this character study or like familial drama or whatever. Yeah. So like in Lost, it was the mystery of the island, but really it was an excuse a framework to. Um, have these like really complicated interweaving backstories for all these people that happen to go on there. And it was like a an excuse to write about these interesting caricatures. And then I think like Orange is the New Black has the the genre of like being a prison drama, but it uses the same thing where you have all these characters and you flash backwards and forwards into their life. And the horror, uh, the, sorry, the Haunting of Hill House is very similar. It's the genre of horror, and it's using it as an excuse to go back and forth between present day and the past when this family was living in this place called Hill House that, you know, is supposedly haunted, mm. and using it as an excuse to show what their life was like before, how the, the house affected them, how the, you know, the family drama affected them, and how they ended up becoming the people they were in present day and dealing with the consequences. Yeah. And I, I really like that. Like, maybe I'm just attracted to that that style, because yeah. ever since Lost sort of popularised it, I you know, maybe just works for mm. me. But I don't know, I'd say give it another chance, because... There's there's some stuff in there that I think you would really like. It doesn't go directly into like grotesque stuff, but it, there are some really good moments. Like especially like, episodes five and six are some of the best TV I've watched in a long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll have to give it a look and try again. Um, I've been recommended it by a couple of people, but I, you know, having I, maybe it was just the mood I was in on Sunday, but I started watching it and I just felt that it wasn't for me um, because it was just leaning into the family drama stuff too much. Um, which which isn't me i don't i'm not into that side of you know like i like things to either be really well balanced and have as much of one as they have of the other or to be like you know to 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 really to, if they're gonna if they're gonna tell me they're a horror movie i want them to be to lean into that and be a horror movie and have lots of awesome moments where you know things are coming out of the ceiling and people are getting (laughs) frightened and eviscerated and things like that you know i don't i don't necessarily need to know like how you know how people are dealing with that in their heads because it's not the people that are the draw for me it's the same with monster movies if i go to watch a monster movie i don't want to know about the people i want to know about the thing like i'd be interested in learning about the house it doesn't matter who's in the house for me i just want to know what the house is and what it can do and why yeah, I don't think way. I don't think that's what the show is trying to sell in this yeah, in this case. Yeah. But yeah, if you ever find you know if you have a few yeah. hours spare, I'd say try and yeah. at least catch up to episode five because that's that's yeah. a really good one. Yeah, yeah, it'd be the house that would be the draw for me. I'd be more interested in the house and the people definitely. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it's, as you said, if you're into that kind of thing, it'd be something to definitely go ahead and watch it. Um, I guess we should move on to comics. So I've got a bunch of comics that I've been reading. Um, a couple of them spooky, a couple of them metal. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to open this up with the DC Cursed Cavalcade. Now, this is quite a cool one. I remember I had something similar last year. Do you remember, Lee, on that DC horror anthology? Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Well, this is kind of something very similar. This is the um, Cursed Comics Cavalcade, and uh, it's an 80-page special. Um, and it's ten. It's a ten. It's ten stories. It's an anthology format collection of Halloween and horror theme tales starring DC heroes, kind of similar to what we had last year. Um, except this is. I think this one's better than last year's. I think like because last year had some really strong moments and some really weak moments. I think this one's better in its content, as in it. It kind of. Um, it it's kind of more consistent, and um, I I, I like to I like some of the stories in this better. It's a, a seasonal play on a thing that DC used to do called Cancelled Comics Cavalcade, where they used to test material for like stories that were submitted um, that never maybe made it into print for characters and things like that. They used to collect them up and put them out as like an anthology. And yeah, I, I thought this was really cool. Um, and it's just it's just like a, a really nice thing to kind of get towards this towards halloween like kind of spooky stuff if you're into that kind of thing you enjoy halloween as much as i do this is this is what you know it's like a nice thing to have it's a, it's a cool cool hello some cool halloween stories something to chill out and read the best three stories in here of the 10 uh was the batman one which was gorehound which was a slasher movie with a twist and it plays with classic horror movie and monster and slasher movie tropes in an interesting way in a very Batman way as well, which is very nice. The other one that I really liked was the Wonder Woman one, which was called Siren Song. And this one is like a nice use of the classic Greek siren myth to tell a haunted monster story, which I thought was really cool. Um, third one that I picked out was the Demon, which was called Yellow Jack. And that is like um, themes of demonic possession, gothic horror, but in, yeah, in the DC universe, in the demons world, if you will, set in New Orleans in, like, I think it's the 17 or 1800s, and it's a really nice story. Um, but yeah, overall, the, the whole thing's really cool, and there's like a really nice kind of like uh, spirit of Halloween thing at the end with Zatanna, which is quite cool. Some really nice artwork in here, actually, as I just flicked through it. Um, the thing that actually drew me to it, actually, was the fact that it includes... Um, some of my favourite characters, notably Swamp Thing, Zatanna and Batman. Um Oh yeah, the, the Robin and so- there's a there's a story with Robin and Solomon Grundy as well, which is quite nice. Uh and it's just um yeah, I mean I think the the best one for me, the art artwork wise, was the Batman story because it has this like really kind of like fine pencil quality and uh these really nice wash watercolors over it and it's just like fine lines and really really nicely detailed really just just really finely done like in the expressions on people's faces and things like that and it just works really well and just looks really nice and for the content as well it's just it's just perfect yeah it's it's a great it's a great thing to grab if you can grab one it's a but it's 10 stories and it's well worth the money um 80 pages of halloween fun and yeah that is just it was just a treat for this time of year really it's just something and i just enjoy seeing halloween celebrated and i think that's the point of it like i like it when people notice and, and notice halloween and do something about it i quite like that 
Um, I like seeing it when people put pumpkins out and stuff. It just makes it just warms me up inside. It's like, yes, people remember Halloween. Cause I don't think enough people remember Halloween sometimes. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 quality. The Batman book, the Batman story, especially in that. Actually, I'd like to see maybe the the Batman story would be nice extended to a full length trade. I think because it would work very well. Um, I can see that maybe like a um, maybe not even a full length trade. Maybe just like a, a couple of hundred pages, like. Um, uh, killing joke like a hundred page thing or something like that is because that's not a particularly long story but a full batman story of that would be cool mm. yeah yeah that's dc curse cavalcade that's my first one on my list uh leon anything on your list uh yes so while i was off um i had been reading a couple of comics in prep for um the last episode that i was unable to to make in the end so um i thought i would give blackbird a reread to talk about on this episode so um last um last episode uh rahul uh went into detail about uh blackbird which is the um the sam humphreys and jen bartell book and yeah I, i pretty much echo a lot of what rahul said so i won't reiterate it too much but as you guys discussed it is very much a leon jam in a lot of ways um i think it's um quite a compelling start i think this setup uh was really good at building relationship between the sisters and um the main character nina's state of mind and i think it what it really does in that cool um in that cool like uh sort of protagonist almost sort of like magical mystery protagonist type of setup is that um it shows the passing of time and really important moments uh, succinctly but uh very impactfully so the um the montages are ne- never feel empty and they're usually just um, a panel with like uh, one thought bubble just just like just describing sort of the feeling of what happened and it, it's very impactful and it it definitely um i don't know it helps bond you to at least for me the the lead character uh sooner rather than like slower which i quite like and i like how it deals with trauma, um, disengagement, hopelessness in not really cliche ways, but um, it's quite economical for the amount of um, amount of things that happen in the in these first first few pages. Um, again, like as Rahul said, Bartels uh, like pencils and colours are just um, uh, breathtaking. Uh, Nay Young Wilson, well, um, on the colours, um, and yeah, has that super image look with like um, a great use of like fuchsias, purples, um, but also like blues and um, just a- across the palette, um, it all seems to have this like unified, consistent look to it, and. I think Humphreys um, is able to nail a lot of the dialogue in there, 
where it doesn't sound cliched or hackneyed, but instead it feels um, quite real. Mm. Um, but yeah, like um, I think it, I think it's it sets up a, a cool world where like you have like ain't this feeling of ancients or gods or like beyond the peel, like this whole world that of of magic that usually like kids or like people who like disaffected in some way have some sort of link to or want to be whisked away to this magical world to escape their own horrible existence. And mm. I feel like this um, nails that uh, that in really in a really tangible, tangible way, but there's still quite a lot of questions um, that need need answering. I think um, the panel structure is really, really cool. Where you have um, during like the more fantastical parts, um, the panels like overlap and inter- intersect, and they're they're chaotic, just like the event. Whereas the panels during the quote unquote normal parts use quote unquote normal white gutters, um, and I think it works really well for pacing, but also um, displaying the dizziness of um, the events and like the otherworldliness, which it, which is really cool. Um, and I just want to uh, note the um, there's a great use of speech bubbles and thought bubbles interacting um, to demonstrate like panicked and overlapping thoughts, and I thought that was really really effective. And um, I, I'm sure I've seen it elsewhere, but here I thought it really nailed the um, the the this, this sequence, um, and it, it speaks to um creators who sort of have a really good grasp of um their characters and marrying that up to the form. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to more. I've been looking forward to this book for a while because I follow um Jen Bartel on Twitter and mm. the cover has been her icon for months it feels so um I'm happy it's finally out and I'm happy that I've enjoyed it. So I'm looking forward to checking out more. Yeah, I still haven't read it. I mean, I keep meaning to. Um, I, I I know I should after what Ray said about it last time, but I still haven't, which is on me. Um, <laughs> so I really should get around to reading that now, both of you two have read it, because I need to have an opinion. Yeah, well, it sounds really cool. <laughs> I just want to layer on top of what Leon said, on top of what I've said. So I, I don't think I gave enough credit to the colorist, Nayang Wilson, when I spoke about it last time. Um, but like... As Leon pointed out, she's, you know, Nayang's also involved. And like a lot of what I did like about this comic and a lot of what I gushed about was in fact the colour. So whatever their involvement is should be clarified. And like there's so much suffused colour that like the lighting in this comic is so good. Like from page one where we see the two sisters sat in their bedroom and there's these like Christmas lights all over the walls. And that thing I was talking about, about suffused and like um, textured paint like really comes off the page because of that. And I just, I want to do one last shout out before we move on to something else for that. Um, And also like to the point Leon made about like the intersection between um, internal dialogue and like speech bubbles. There are some really cool moments. And I think we're going to be talking about the same stuff here where she's like, she's having, Nina's having like an internal dialogue and she's trying to suppress her compulsive thoughts, which then gets interrupted by somebody else from, you know, outside of her head. 
and it it does it works really well and i want to see more of that kind of creativity yeah yeah definitely and like quickly going back to the color bit mm. like there's a panel um where it shows cars on a bridge as nina's running quite early on and mm. just the way the the headlights and rear lights um of each car is shown as like sort of spodges of like um illumination beautiful i just love it i love mm. it it's done so well and all the the sound effects are like colored in a different hue as well it's so like you've got the honking and the beeps like is orange and pink and purple depending on which car it's coming from it's very clever yeah it's really cool um yeah and i, I should sh- shout out again um Writers, Sam Humphreys. Artist is Jen Bartel. Layout artist is uh, Paul Reinwand. Colorists are Nayang Wilson and Jen Bartel. Letterer is Jodie Wynn. Designer, Dylan Todd. Um, the main cover was done by Jen Bartel and the variant was done by Fiona Staples. Yeah, that sounds really good. Um, I need to give you a list of credits, actually, for the Cursed Comics Cavalcade. And I've just, it, there's like 44 names here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't know if I should read the full amount out right now, because it's like, it's a real, real list. I guess um, read out the Batman one, since that's the one you were taken with. Yeah, so mm-hmm. Batman in Gorehound, uh, written by Gary Dorberman. Artist is Ricardo Federici. Uh, colours by Sonny Go and uh, letters by Steve Wands. But um, as I say, I mean, this this book has, it's like a whole world of talent in here. Um, there's like 44 names worked on this thing. And um, yeah, it it was just really cool. But yeah, that, those are the Batman credits. You can find the full list of credits. Um, they'll, be, they'll be somewhere, uh, possibly on the DC website, uh, which will have like the whole... Because obviously there's credits for each. There's a different creative team on each story, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a great um, anthology. Um, moving on then from Blackbird is my next one on my list, which is What If Ghost Rider. Um, and the title on the cover of this comic is <clears throat> What If Marvel Comics Went Metal with Ghost Rider. The Cover of the comic is Ghost Rider, Robbie Reich, wailing on a guitar, standing on the bonnet of his Dodge Charger, flames everywhere, kind of Mad Max-ish when you look at it. And immediately I've got this stupid grin on my face looking at this, because it's great. And uh, yeah, so I cracked it open and I had a look at what was inside and I wasn't disappointed. And um, I I remember saying to Ray actually last time, because we were talking about the uh, return of What If, and I talked about the Spider-Man one. Um, yeah, this one is like, um, I think we've had the Punisher one as well since then, but this one is, is really cool because this is like completely out there. Um, it's, it's less of a a what if and more a, like an explosion. Uh, (laughs) Um, so the minute you open the book, you are, it's like, um, it says, basically it's like a, this, this fictional band, uh, Hassenwald, who are a, um, I'm assuming from the look of that logo, death metal band from uh, Latveria. And they have given their, um, they they have, have expressed an interest in Marvel comics and given Marvel permission to print a comic about them. This band from Latveria, this death metal band with this awesome logo. 
Um, and uh, Marvel Comics and Mount Sorcista Productions present Hassenwald uh, with Garoth the Fleshweaver, Oot of the Abyss, and the Unspeakable Horror of Necrotis. Written for Marvel Comics by Sebastian Gurnett, penciled and inked and coloured by Casper Wingyard. And um, yeah, it's just um, it's just great. And there's like a table of contents here and the book isn't nearly that long. Immediately you look at the table of contents and uh, like you see um, like these uh, these like um, page titles like Hassenwald, Hassen, Hassen, We Lost Our Minds, an editorial. And that starts on page four and apparently is carried on on page um 37 which doesn't exist uh <laughs> you've got what if marvel comics went metal with ghost rider which starts on page six which is the main comic um and then these other extra um like uh added stuff that's supposed to be in here um one of them starts on page 150 and that's no key black enough a factual fable of inks and incisions uh, there's a thing here. If a tree falls in the Hassenwald, the story of the band and their unique sound. That starts at uh, 384. I should mention that Hassenwald, it, it's uh, German for hate forest. Uh, yeah, hate forest. I, I did note that down earlier because I translated it because I knew I, I looked German to me. And then uh, on page triple six behind the corpse paint, <laughs> which I thought was great. Um, so we move on to the main comic and... It just from start to finish, it's just completely insane. And there are some fantastic pages in this. There's some great, some great satire, and and uh, it's very, very comical, very, um, very comedic, and and it's very, it's very good in that way. In 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 its comedy and in the way that it tra- the way that it expresses that, and the way that it explores like uh, the comics industry, because it does this whole thing where. This, this the comic starts where this band have gone to Marvel Studios and Robbie Reyesh, Ghost Rider, is an intern at Marvel Studios and it, it's his job to show them around and then drive them back to the airport. Um, so he has the task of looking after them for the day and he's given them the tour of Marvel and he's shown them around the, uh, the building. This is where all the magic happens and it's just a bunch of people in cubicles typing at desks. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's just great. And like uh, when uh, when one of the band members sees it, actually, there's a great quote here: "The silent struggle that point the, that pointless search for meaning in the blinking void of hope. It's even more beautiful than I could have ever hoped for." And that's when he's looking at these like rows of cubicles and people at desks. And there's just uh, yeah, it, it's it's just hilarious, start to finish. Um, the colours in here are nice and vibrant, nice and bold and bright. Um, everything about it just screams heavy metal from start to finish when you're reading it and it really does capture that and it really does celebrate metal in in a a really great way like a a celebration of both genres comics and metal in the way that it's put together and in in the way that some of the action scenes are laid out on the pages and there's some beautiful page layouts here i must say um there's a really nice double page spread towards the back um where it's like there are no panel borders and it's just continuous bleed like from one stage to the next and Everything about it is just beautiful and messed up because there's some eldritch horror going on at the same time. And yeah, it just basically, so this band, they've decided that the comic that they're printing about themselves is going to have their blood in the ink to make it a bit more metal. And uh, that's when it all starts to escalate when they decide, when, when the point comes where they have to bleed themselves into the ink for the printing. That's when it starts to get a little bit, a little bit ritual, a little bit summoning, a little bit 
kaboom, basically. Um, yeah, it, it is just a, a high octane roller coaster of excessively loud action. It's humorous, it's loud, it's fun, it's extreme, and it's really good escapism. Um, and I love how it deals with, like, in universe with the like the, the way they talk about the comics industry. It's great, and uh, there's some really awesome character design, character designs, and the way they do this band as if they're like this fictional band from Latveria, but they treat it as if it's actually happening and stuff like that, which is really cool. Um, and there's one page in particular that stood out, which is this um it's a landscape page and it looks like an album cover like it 100% looks like an album cover and I can't get over how much it looks like an album cover and I was convinced that it was inspired by or based on something because it just looks like something I I, I feel like I have seen something something like this is a, a tribute to something that I have seen before because it's just that cool and it actually looks like a death metal album cover um and here's me like you know flipping through spotify trying to find it googling you know like for hours and hours and then in the end i like in broken frustration this afternoon i put out a tweet um and i put the picture in the tweet a picture of the page and i put i could swear this is a tribute to a well-known piece of album art but i cannot for the life of me place it and it is driving me insane Help me out, guys, and I copied in the uh, the, the writer and main artist on this, uh, Sebastian Gurner and Casper um, Wingyard. And Casper um, replied to me, he got back to me, um, and he said, because um, I put after that, I put, if I'm wrong, then it should be album art. And he said that it's not actually based on anything, it's just, just based on the brief he was given, the, the notes and the, um, the script that he was given, which... It's really, really cool because he's captured the mood very, very well. And he's captured the whole death metal thing, like death metal album cover thing, like insanely well in that one image. Like it is absolutely perfect. And like I said in my tweet, if it's not album art, it should be album art because it is beautiful. Um, And yeah, it's like one of my favorite comics pages. <laughs> Just because it's just brilliant, and it like the fact that it 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 kind of like inspired that level of deja vu in me. Like I feel like I have seen this. Like this is an album cover that I have seen, and elements in it I have seen, and it's just it's just great. Um, and yeah, like I'm saying, the whole book is just insane, start to finish, and it's a celebration of metal, akin to another book I'm going to talk about on here later, which is Murder Falcon. Um, but a celebration of metal in a different way because. This yeah, I'll talk more about that in a moment because it kind of ties up to Murder Falcon, but um, it's just a really really great comic if you love metal and you want something absolutely crazy um, to kind of like take you away from the everyday, like something big and brash and and just out there to kind of take you away from all of that. Then this is this is what it is. This is escapism at its best and it's great. Uh, so the full list of. Um, full list of credits it is sebastian gurner and casper winyard with vcs joe stabino um aleski brislot uh who's the cover artist um joe stabino is the letterer john tyler christopher is the action figure variant cover artist there was an action figure variant for this which was pretty cool um nicholas russell uh on production kathleen uh wisniewski is the editor 
Um, Nikki, uh, Nick Lowe, consulting editor, C.B. Sabolski, editor-in-chief, Joe Casada, chief creative officer, Dan Buckley, president, Alan Fine, executive producer. And there's a special thanks section as well here for Gene Sharkey, Juan, uh, Juan Wingyard, uh, Ricky Purdin, Lauren Amaro, Mark Panisher, David, Devin Lewis, Jake Thomas, Tom Groman and Greg Pan. So it's quite, quite, it's quite a large team there, but um, ultimately a great comic. So yeah, that was What If Marvel Comics Went Metal with Ghost Rider. From there, moving on to another new one. Yes, yes. Shuri. Shuri number one. So I believe it was announced maybe a couple months ago that uh, there was going to be um, a Shuri comic. um, And it's here. Um, And it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a quite a promising start and a, and a cool intro to this series so um the book um seems to be about um black panther's uh, genius scientist everything uh, younger sister princess shuri um and it seems to follow a rough continuity following on from the stuff from the Coats and Stealthries run from Black Panther, which I think started 2016, and also the World of Wakanda books that mm. um, that followed. Mm-hmm. So all of that stuff's canon. Stuff that happens in the story to Shuri is part of this storyline. And the way this uh, book starts is that um, T'Challa and... Do you remember the mutant that he goes with? Uh T'Challa and a mutant who can teleport, whose name I will remember Eden? at some point. Was that Eden's it? his real name. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Ma- Manif- Manifold? Manifold is his mutant name, yeah. That's it. Manifold, yes. Hmm. Who looks great in this book, by the way. But um, <laughs> they're on a super secret mission um, into space as part of um, Wakanda's first foray into space. Um in a ship that Shuri obviously designed, um, and they're going to investigate a wormhole, but I don't think the public knows that. They just know that they're launching into space. And then they launch into space in the first couple of pages, and they're meant to be back fairly soon, but we find two weeks have passed and they've not returned, and Shuri has no idea why, and no real idea what to do. Um, bear in mind that uh, Manifold is a teleporter, so he sort of went with um, T'Challa as, like, security. So, like, she thought, oh, if anything goes wrong, um, I, I guess she was probably thinking, hopefully he can teleport them back to safety. So, um, yeah, the book sort of deals with that, but also has Shuri dealing with the aftermath of the effects of things that happened in the comics that I mentioned before um, and how that plays into her life now, as well as how she's going to deal with uh, this thing. Um, and, yeah, I think in the same way that Coates and Stelfreeze wanted to uh, really get into T'Challa's brain when they started their run of Black Panther... I feel like this is uh, Neddy Okorafor and Leonardo Romeo's um, 
shards or attempt to do this with Shuri. And I think it's um I think it's I think it's very interesting because obviously this character has like increased popularity following the movie that came out in February. And for good reason. Uh because um she's written really well and she's played really well. Um uh, by Letitia Wright, and I think it's a, a good time to focus on this character, um, just because uh, it, it it's an interesting place to be where you've got the role of like super genius uh, person with a lot of stuff at their disposal, um, but this time it's person who's also of royalty from their own country, which is the most technology advanced. But then also dealing with the stuff that's happened before and sort of the new abilities and things that she's had to take on, you can definitely feel like a weight on her shoulders and there's like remarks such as like, oh, this person doesn't call me princess. They're the only person who doesn't. And it and it feels refreshing. Plus there's, um, it feels like there's um, like a bigger focus on uh, the, the women who run things um, behind the scenes. It feels like there's good comments on how, like, with like royalty and things like that. It's always the line of succession and all that. It's always it's, it's very much a male endeavor or male focus. And um, I like in this that they sort of dig into that a bit and and show um, like the people. Uh, sort of running the scenes in the background, or, or basically the backbone of um, of Wakanda. Um, mm. And like, yeah, I think this this issue is really about setting the table and building up the world um, more. Um, and I think Akora Four seems to be really good fit for this story, especially because it's. Um, Story of like a young gifted protagonist going through the uh, going against the odds in a Afro futurist setting, and um, like with the holiday just gone, I was semi lying because I, I did manage to read some stuff, and one of the things I read was um, her novella Binti. Um, oh, cool! Okay, which is um, the 2016 Hugo Award winner for best novella and the 2015 mm-hmm. Nebula Award in the same category. And that story is about a, uh, a girl called Binti who's the first um, person from her like tribe, ethnic group, to be accepted into this um, sort of prestigious college. And uh, when she goes up there, blah, blah, like things take a, a turn for the worst. And it's about how she, how she deals with them and... It, it deals a lot with identity and the push and pull of remembering where you came from and what built you up and not forgetting sort of the old ways and what you were taught and what's passed down to you. But at the same time, not letting tradition and other things sort of shackle you back. Um, and I, I get a feeling that a lot of that is relevant um, in in this book, so uh, I am interested to also go forward with that series, but also 
see what more um, Okorafor um, ha- um, ha- brings to this. And I, I think um, the pairing of uh, uh, Romero and uh, Jordi Belair on colours is, is, is a good fit because um, I feel like in the colour, location, characters, um, you get this really like, I mean, it's a word that we use so much on the show, but it's very um, vibrant and um, diverse in colour sets. Uh, you get, like, uh, background details filled with, like, different browns and blues. And you get computer screens, um, uh, the planes, um, and, like, just buildings. And there's a lot of um, richness and, and texture um, in, in in a lot of the panels, which is um, which are quite like, and um, like of note, there's like some there's, there's a sort of story or flashback um, during the book where um, it makes really cool use of reddish browns, oranges, and whites, um, and it has the characters have a bit of a like old school look to them with like dots and eyes and stuff, mm. and it. It's such a really nice touch in the middle of this book. Um, that is cool how that is set up on the page as well. The way that's yeah. laid out and the the, um, yeah. the way that they they play that out across the pages. Because it's done over, I think it's two or three pages, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Where they do that and it's done in uh, small panels and uh, panels with panels without borders. And um, it looks like a memory the way they've laid it out on the page you get the impression that it's a memory and that certain details are bolder than others and certain things stick more than other things you know like like certain things are are fractured certain things are are there and and you've got the the these like drawings without borders these kind of very simple very bold line drawings with the the um the snake and the stone for example and there's some great lettering as well with everything being so bold and bright and brash and in your face with the way that they do this but also, oh, like, the, the narration is yeah. coming from her typing to a friend over the internet. Yeah. And, like, the, that mix of, you know, this this flashback old-school memory and, like, the modern font and the modern yeah. text box of, of, like, this chat program is, is a really cool mix as well. So, yeah, this is her playing out in her head as she chats to somebody over the internet or texts to somebody. Mm. Um, and it's like you can imagine her playing out in her head getting the detail straight typing up getting a detail straight typing it up mm-hmm. and it just it just feels like that it just feels great um and the, the whole thing i actually loved about the artwork throughout this actually which was something i wanted to mention because i've read this as well was the fact that it has these kind of like um really bold lines this this like kirby-esque warmth about it this like real old school kind of feel which i think leon was getting to um yeah definitely yeah and it just it's just beautiful for that um this just like what that's like the main thing that i loved about it was was this the artwork in fact and um what i also like as well is at the very start of the book you see this takes into account uh the other shuri stuff as well where um in previous black panther volumes where shuri took over as black panther then shuri died hmm um, and all that stuff so it takes all of that into account as well um and i don't know about you guys but did you guys get print copies of this 
Unfortunately not. No. Do comicsology copies have adverts? No. 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 So you didn't you didn't get the um the Party City advert with the really, really wrong looking Thanos costume. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> is this, oh, is this something you shared? I think I've showed it you guys before. Yeah, it's this like <laughs> creepy Thanos kids costume because it's just it look the head just looks completely out of proportion with the rest of the body on the costume and everything, and it just looks so wrong. <laughs> I am so glad that Comicsology doesn't have adverts in the middle of its comics. <laughs> oh, from man, that this, picture you sent of this, this is on the inside of the cover. It's it's horrible. It's offensive. Uh, <laughs> It just looks so wrong and so out of proportion, and uh, oh man, it's creepy. But yeah, um, it's a good Halloween costume if if that's the desired effect. Uh, but yeah, like everything about this book, like the artwork and everything, and the way that it, it that's that sequence in the middle, especially, and the pacing and everything else, and panel layouts, and the way they they the way they get the story across, and, and with her testing her technology and things like that, it's just all yeah. very very cool. Yeah. Mm. Like, um, one of the things I really loved about uh, Letitia Wright's um, Shuri is how sort of playful and joyful she was at uh, making and coming up with all this cool technology. And I feel that they carry some of that across. I feel (laughs) like um, it really does well to pull influences from the sort of Coat Stealth Rays and World of Wakanda runs, mm. as well as the film. Um, yeah. I think it, it it does a good job um, of mixing that all together and um, adding, adding, sprinkling something else on oh. top. Oh, for sure. It ties it all up very nicely. I love how there's very like neatly. a close-up of her high-top sneakers as she's diving out of a window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is also a great ec- economical um, like use of information because we get the mm. close-up on the, the computer screen in that which i really like yeah yeah i like i like the um i like that entire sequence where she's testing the wings that's probably next to the memory that's the second my second favorite mm. sequence in that comic so i love i love the way that plays out beat for beat and things like that quite quite enjoy that um so uh moving on from there uh, so, i'll oh, just do credit credit yeah um, so <laughs> it's um Writer is uh, Neddy Okorafor. Uh, artist is Leonardo Romero. Color artist is Jordi Belair. Letterer is VCs Joe Sabino. And the cover artist is Sam Spratt. Yeah, I'm getting really bad at that. Almost forgetting to read credits out for stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, yeah. That's how... Too excited. I know, yeah. I just, just want to move on to the next thing. I want to hear, I want to hear about your other comic, Leon. Well, sorry, one last thing about Shuri. Have you checked out any of the alternate covers for this? No. Because I think there's one which is the Scott Young cover that I talked about last time, which oh, is so cool. There's a Scott like, Young has, cover. Yeah, where he has that, that typical Scott Young sort of pseudo-Charlie Brown-esque um, art style, where it's her transforming into like crows against yeah. this orange and yellow backdrop. It's really good. I should, I'd check that out if I were you. Because he does like the, the Marvel kind of like um, kid Marvel, Marvel kids, Marvel, like they're like little kids, aren't they, when he draws yeah. them? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's cool how he does that. I like that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I've seen some of his variants for other stuff and it's really cool. I should check that mm-hmm. out. That one sounds really nice. So yeah, Leon, I think, I, got. <laughs> I think there's like one last thing on your list. Yes. And it is not a comic. 
Oh, I thought it was a comic. <laughs> it does have game, speech right? bubbles in it, but it is not a comic. Oh. And, and yes, Rahul, you're right. It's Sorry, <laughs> jumped ahead. <laughs> so, um, I, be, I was playing this on the way on the train to Fort Bubble, mm-hmm. um, and then because it's, I've been playing it on an iPhone. Um, don't usually play games on there much. So the next time I played it was when I was on the way to Rhodes. Um, and this is um, Donut County, um, developed by Ben Esposito, who mm-hmm. I believe used to work for the people that made Unfinished Swan, who are called Giant Sparrow. It's a studio that I'm quite fond of. And it's published by Annapurna Interactive, who seem to be releasing all the games that I love over the last two years. <laughs> um, so Donut County is basically a game where you play as this douchebag raccoon and you control a hole <laughs> with your thumb uh, if you're playing on the iOS um, and you drag the hole about to swallow objects. And the more objects that you swallow, the greater this hole in- increases in size until you're able to swallow up loads of other things or bounce things out or use fire to make things fly up and, and such and such. And it's, in terms of gameplay-wise, it's it's uh, deceptively simple. Like, it's not, it's not going to be a super challenging game. You're not going to be worrying about uh, high scores or anything like that, really. But it is a very pleasing game to play. And I feel like I'm playing it the best way to play it. I I don't really think I'd enjoy this as much playing it on Steam with my mouse or playing it on PS4 with the analog stick. Just finding moments and playing it on my iPhone seemed to be like, the best experience for this in in my mind anyway and it, it's um it's really fun like it's just stupidly fun to swallow things up in a hole i mean sometimes you just want to do that in this <laughs> annoying world <laughs> you just want to be a douchebag raccoon and uh so and swallow things up why, why is the raccoon a douche for doing this dude man like you you have to play the game but okay let's just say He's not swallowing up things to be a superhero. Okay. He's swallowing up things to be a douche. Okay. Because, <laughs> right. um, oh, carry on. I was just going to say, despite him being a douche, he's a, he's a pretty funny douche. So, um, and the cast of characters in Donut County, um, the actual place, but also in the game, they're they're quite funny. And um, there's, um, I'm going to get the name wrong but there's this cool thing where you swallow things up um after you complete the level you get i believe it's called the trashopedia i might be wrong <laughs> but um the trashopedia yes it is the trashopedia the thing that's great with the trashopedia is that it has really uh, funny especially if you're like extremely online like a lot of us um has a lot of funny um, like uh, descriptions for each of the things that you've swallowed up, and I won't 
say any of them because it'll be less funny if I say it. But it's definitely worth diving into and having a go. Um, it's a very charming game. Mm. It looks really nice. And um, yeah, I don't know. It just brings a little bit of a little bit of joy like it's, it's you just feel good playing it like there's a, there's a smile on your face uh as you're like swallowing up uh barbecues and cars and all, all types of things like i don't know like it's just so pleasing i think they need to add add this function into more game but um like a lot a lot has been spoken about how um it's very inspired by like katamari and, and yeah uh, and you can feel that in the game, and it, it, it's quite nice. It, it feels something quite quite pure about it. Um, but yeah, I'd heavily recommend that game. That's the game I'd been looking forward to for so long. Like, it's been in development for years, like five, yeah. six years. 2013, and, I believe. Yeah, it's wild. And like um, Ben Esposito, he'd, uh, he was working on it, like, in the evenings after, you know, after doing his day job. Like, it's not... It's not something that he, um, you know, put aside his his life to, like, get it out. He was working on it in his spare time, and it's such an achievement. It looks wild. And like like you said, it was very reminiscent of Katamari Damashi, which is one of my favorite games ever. Like, it does have that irreverent, wild, strange tone where it's all a little bit wacky. And I gather that the writing in this is, like you said, uh, surprisingly good is what I've heard. Like, um, like you said... For for those of us who are very online, all the characters talk like like real people sound on the internet, and it's not written by like somebody who thinks they like they know the internet from the outside and they're trying to write about people who live on the internet. It feels like it's written by people who live on the internet. Um, yeah, I've been looking forward to this for ages, and Annapurna have been doing some amazing games lately. I think we've both spoken about Florence in the past, which is a a, a really great mobile. Um, Annapurna game. I think I gushed about Gorogoa when that came out, uh, which I absolutely adored. And like a common theme with Annapurna games is just their attention to art. I think like Gorogoa and Florence in particular are very hand-drawn aesthetics. Um, and then Donut County has this polygonal, uh, like how would you call it, pared-down, um, cute style. But yeah, I just I really love that that they pick up on these types mm. of games with this, you know, these these very different uh, art styles. And yeah, I can't wait to pick this one up. And I gather that it's it's like ten, eleven pound on Steam, but it's actually a lot cheaper on uh, on iOS. Is that right? Do you remember how much you paid for it, Leon? I can't remember exactly, but it would have been less than five pounds, I believe. Right. Yeah. So if you're going to pick it up anywhere, pick it up on iOS, on- I guess. While we're on games still, you two are more gamesy than me, so you might be able to help me out with this one. But there's a game coming out where you play as a, a, a goose, and I've seen a trailer for it. And <laughs> speaking of douchebag animals, you, you play as a goose, and your whole job, like you have a, a, a shopping list of things to do to piss people off around this town. You're, you're talking about Untitled Goose Game, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it's literally <laughs> called Untitled Goose Game. Oh, right, okay. And you, you go around playing like a, a dickhead goose. Yeah. <laughs> It looks, I want it looks that game. amazing. I yeah, want it looks that really game. good. <laughs> your whole your whole job is to piss people off, which is great. There's like some great sequences I've seen in the trailer where you have to like you got to get the gardener wet, so you have to like try and get him that angry that he chases you into the pond and things like that and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, which is really cool. 
in some ways the art style looks very similar to Donut County and it's almost like you know like dueling films where two yeah. very similar films come out at the same time like not yeah. that this is out anytime soon it says early 2019 on the steam page yeah but yeah it feels like they're like cousins mm. in a way yeah you, you reminded me of it when you started talking about douchebag raccoon it's like i know something else that's got a douchebag animal in it <laughs> but yeah no that sounds really cool so yeah um end of my list then Last one today, I believe, in fact, uh, is the last comic I'm going to talk about, which is something I was looking forward to for some time, actually, and uh, something I brought up on the pull list last time. Uh, I've been looking forward to it since I discovered it, um, and that is something called Murder Falcon. (laughs) Now, Murder Falcon. Um, It's the same artist and writer as Extremity, so it's Daniel Warren Johnson, which is really, really good. Um, Like because extremity is absolutely fantastic and you can see that straight away when you look at it it's got the like his style is just beautiful and um when you flick through the pages actually in places it's very manga-esque especially in the way it trans it, it, it um displays and communicates action um uh, movement and um in the way that um you know like when you've got these manga panels where someone's like lunging at somebody to punch them and they fuzz the lines on the arm that's moving or the fist that's moving. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it does a lot of that and it's really, really cool in that with like the you know, the lines that show speed and lines that show movement and everything else. It's mm. very manga esque in that way and it's really cool. This is this is his style. It's just great. Um and I think this leans into it more than Extremity did because of the, the, the nature of the book. Um But Murder Falcon, um, the cover itself straight away is this, uh, this, this part Falcon, part Dolph Lundgren, uh, he's got his arms <laughs> in the air. One of them's made of metal and there's lightning coming off it. And the other one is doing the devil horns. And then there's this guy playing guitar in front of him, like, you know, big cheese grin on his face, just wailing away on his guitar. And there's lightning and there's rocks blowing up and and it's just like, you look at it and you can hear the solo. Like, you could hear the solo before you got to the shop to pick it up and it got louder and louder as you got to it on the comic stand. If you can understand what I'm I'm saying here, like you could hear it, I could hear it on my way to the shop and the music was just getting louder and then I got to the comic stand and there was just this deafening cacophony of guitars and I was just like, yes, that's what I want. That's mine. It's, it's the same guy I did Extremity, which was a beautiful story and book. And this looks the same so far. And it, it like in the fact that it's also a beautiful story. Like when I say Murder Falcon to you and when I give you the synopsis, which is um, this this uh, this Falcon being from a another dimension has come to save Earth through the power of metal uh, with his friend, with with he's chosen this guitarist to play guitar and he can't punch things unless he's hearing guitar so this guy has to play guitar in order for the murder falcon to be able to fight he can't fight unless there's metal now when i say that it doesn't sound like it's going to be the story that it is because it's such a beautiful story um but like yeah as i flick through it the artwork's gorgeous because as i say it's the same guy did extremity it's very manga-esque in places and um the main thing to take away from this is it's just this 
he's saving the world through the power of metal and there's a there's a deeper message here because it's it's a story it's also a story of spiritual healing and release so he's not just saving the world through metal he's saving himself he's been in a bad place for a long time i'm not going to go into too much because i will spoil the story but metal is helping him and metal's helping him overcome that and not only is he saving the world but he's also helping and saving himself and he's also you know repairing himself which is really nice it's really great how they how how this all comes together and what i appreciate about this this book actually i mean i don't i don't play guitar i'm not a a musician or anything like that but i really do love metal and i i know how uplifting and how powerful metal can be if you're having a, a really bad day you can just go and stick your headphones on and you can go away to a quiet corner somewhere and you can come back feeling a million bucks after three tracks, you know? Um, that That's how I feel anyway sometimes. Like three like three good heavy tracks. It's like catharsis almost. You go away, you listen to it, you come back, you feel a million bucks, you feel so much better. Like uh, if you, for a good example of this actually is working in customer service because I've had customer service jobs and... Anyone who's worked in customer service knows the pain of working in customer service sometimes, like the, what it does to you and going away on your lunch break and being able to just shut yourself away in a room and just go into this loud little world for a while and then come back. It just feels really good and you feel so much better and it just resets you and I can appreciate that and I can appreciate what metal can do for people when they're in a funk and I, I, I love that this is a story about that in effect maybe on a maybe on another level to that actually because it's it's not just a funk it's it's something a bit deeper but it's really really good how how that works and and how you know this this is a story about if you're having a rough time some this if and there is something that you know this is something you can hang on to like metal is something that and guitar playing guitar is something that he hangs on to something he has that, that helps him through that um and it just resonated me with with me like that because I, I just I've I felt that you know, um, and yeah, it's just some great dynamic art and it's some awesome action shots. Um, the character designs are really great, as I was mentioning before. Murder Falcon himself, uh, he's got like these cargo jeans on and this like this bionic arm, and he just everything he hits just explodes or breaks or smashes or dies instantly and it's just so brutal um and then uh the um the guy himself and he, you know his his band um they just nailed the whole thing perfectly like he's uh his name's jake and yeah he he just looks like your buddy who plays guitar and it's great um when you um the, the whole story in this actually is that he had a band and the band were doing well and the band broke up. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but he's in a real something, something, something like ter- horrible has happened in his life and he's having trouble getting past that. And he's in a real funk about it. Um, and he's, uh, he's, he's quick guitar. He's like, no, I don't play guitar now. I, ca- I can't play guitar now. He smashed his guitar in fact. And, uh, this is when, you know, he meets Murder Falcon, and this is this is when things start to get awesome. And he he's he is you know, Murder Falcon is telling him to play, 
and playing actually helps him and he finds it he enjoys it still and then they they're on an adventure now saving the world saving the earth murder falcon explains his mission and everything else and without going into too much detail there's there's cosmic horror and everything and it's it's just yeah start to finish it's brilliant and the way that it it, it conveys its message is, is brilliant as well and there's some really nice sequences in this like there's this whole sequence where they are sitting on top of the van sharing beer listening to a song on the radio and the lyrics are blaring out in 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 panel lettering um like not not in speech bubbles but like as part of the the wider artwork that the, you know and, and they're like pointing each other and you can tell they're probably either singing along to it or rocking out to it as they're listening to it drinking beers together um and it's his memories interspersed with him listening to this song and you know murder falcon's just there to be his buddy and it's beautiful and this, this this like buddy moment where it sort of culminates in this double page spread where they're sitting on top of the van and it's a double page spread with two panels in set two small panels and it's it's very serene it's very you know like there's a cityscape in the background and you can see the stars and everything else and they're like sitting out at a lake and there's like empty cans where they've been drinking and they're just looking at this monster just in the lake that is just sitting there staring back at them and it's just there they're not you know it's 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 not moved. It just sits there looking at them, and they're sitting there watching it. And um, yeah, it's just it's just great. It's just very serene and and like two buddies enjoying beer, listening to metal. I, I love that. And yeah, it's it's just it just makes for a joyous read, and everything about it feels right, and it's extremely well put together. And yeah, I can't I can't fault it anywhere. I cannot fault this book, and I rec- I recommend it to you two. Actually, I think you two would enjoy it as well, because it the 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 sort of the themes that it deals with here, like like you know, having something to 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 run away to when things get tough, having something to cling on to, it's great. Mm. You're gonna have to shuffle it into the stack somewhere. Yeah, it's really mm. cool, um, and I, I I liked it so much. I actually wrote. I don't know if it'll get printed or not, but I actually wrote a fan letter. Because uh, in the back it gives you an email address, so I was like, I've got to write about, I've got to write about this, I've got to write you about this because it's so great. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it that much. So that is Murder Falcon number one. That is on Image Comics, and um, the uh, team behind that we've got Daniel Warren Johnson, who is the creator, artist, writer, and letterer. We've got Mike Spicer on colours. Um, his colours are really great, really vibrant, by the way, especially in the monster designs. I really love that. Um, we have uh, Russ Wooten uh, does letters as well, and uh, Ariel Basich is uh, associate editor. Sean Makovic is editor, and um, Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer did the cover, which is an awesome cover. Now there was another cover that I seen for it, like in a in a shot on Twitter that someone had. I don't know where they managed to get it, or, or how or how they managed to get. It. I've not seen any alt covers for it. Uh, there probably are alt covers, but I'm not seeing any. But the cover is. Murder Falcon hanging out of the top of the truck while there's metal blaring out in the truck and they're driving along and Murder Falcon's got a beer in his hand like hanging out the top of the truck and a six pack in the other hand and I'm just like damn I want that cover <laughs> <laughs> but yeah everything about it's great yeah so that is Murder Falcon number one and um, that is my big pick my big recommend for this cast and I think that brings us to a close on the comics uh, and the content so um I guess what's left now is the pull list. So 
Um, I will open this up with a couple of things for October 24th, which is the day that this cast drops. So these are a couple of things that I've kind of picked out from this week's comics that I think look pretty cool. So the first one is a new series. Um, and it's on Aftershock. We've talked about Aftershock stuff before. I've talked about um, Cold War and... Oh, what was the um, the 2001 Space Odyssey type thing? With the big black marker. What was that I called, can, Ray? Help me. I, I can picture which one it is, but I can't remember what it is. I'm really sorry. Relay. That's, That's the, the one. one. Relay. Yes. Yes. Well yes. <laughs> See, I had to, to go to my mind palace then to get that out. Um, so this is a new series and, uh, the blurb is as follows. Thrice nine took Sasha's brother and it took Maria's heart. Plagued by the ramifications of a techno magic world now 30 years gone, thrice nine is a dirty folklore world that limps along, degenerating into a place filled with paranoia and poison. Sasha Vastanov thought he'd escaped all that. But when news comes that his younger brother is being kidnapped by the secret police, he finds himself dragged back into the madness with a simple goal to find his brother but Sasha is going to need help to do this and he enlists Maria Kamenya a former warrior with a hundred with with hundreds of enemy kills to her name who was betrayed by the very country she served this quest is how they how they get both of those things back and in uh, in the lawless land of decapitated states the land of dead kings written by Steve Orlando who has done uh, Batman Shadow crude midnighter and virgil and joined by matthew dow smith of october girl suicide squad and x files uh x files being uh the i believe that'll be the idw one uh dead kings is an in-depth exploration of retribution in all its dark complex forms so yeah um that sounds pretty awesome and it sounds like something i'd want to check out um one of the other things i've got for this week um mars attacks number one uh, which is on Dynamite Comics. So, just I'm picking things now because they're they're kind of like you know like this spooky Halloween horror movie type thing going on. So Mars Attacks. Spence hasn't finished a damn thing in his life. So when he goes to visit his dad to see if maybe he can borrow some money, the last thing on his mind is global survival. Now Spencer and his father are on the run, trying to avoid being space raided by a bunch of destruction happy Martians. Heck bent on zapping them dead. Uh, this is uh, by writer Kyle Starks, who does the Rick and Morty and uh, Rock, County, uh, Rock Candy Mountain. And artist Chris Schweizer, who does the Creeps and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Uh, it, they bring you the face-melting experience of a lifetime with Mars Attacks for the first time at Dynamite. So this is a Mars Attacks comic. Which, uh, the cover looks pretty awesome. It looks pretty Mars Attacks. Um... The thing it's got going for, for me right now is the is, is it's, it fits into my whole Halloween mood. So that's why I've been looking at this to pick this up because it's it's things to get you in the mood for Halloween, spookyish comics, and there's some quite nice looking variant covers for it as well. So these are the, these are the things that stood out for me this week. Uh, Ray, you got anything? Well, you stole mine, um, Dead King, so I'm going to steal one that should be on yours. Yeah. Um, that's Isola, Volume One, Trade Paperback, comes out Ooh. on the 24th of October. Yes. So it's something we've um, I've talked about issue number one, and you've you've gushed about the rest of it. Um, various times throughout the cast. Uh, it's written by Brendan Fletcher and art by Carl Kershaw, um, Isola. Really good. And yeah. the way it's recommended is uh, for fans of Studio Ghibli and the works of Hayao um, Miyazaki. Yeah. Uh, perfect. It's really good. Gorgeous artwork. So check that out. Yeah, that sounds cool. 
Um, we have, well, I've been reading Isola. I've got everything Isola up to this point anyway. So I've probably got all the contents of that trade. But yeah, it's... Um, it's yeah, it's issues one to five yeah. in that trade. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, Isola is well worth a read. And if you're not already reading it, pick up the trade. It's a good, it's a good place to start. Uh, I guess that moves us on to the next week, which is October 31st. So that is that is the day, the big day. It's Halloween. And these are the comics that I've picked that are coming out on Halloween that I'm going to be reading. So this is a few, just a few things that I've picked out. Um, some of them are new. Some of them are things that, well, duh, of course Greg's going to pick that. Um, first one I've got is Batman Secret Files number one. Uh, which is kind of a one-shot. Delve into Batman's case histories and discover brand new stories by some of comics' most exciting talents. The Batman team of Tom King and uh, Mikkel Janin provides a framing sequence, setting up our hand-picked teams of creators to take a look at Bat mysteries past and present, featuring a bevy of Batman villains, including a look at how the Scarecrow's fear toxin affects the common man. And a special story written by Tom Taylor with art by Brad Walker that teams the Dark Knight detective with Detective Chimp. And the team on Lax looking pretty all-star. Um, on the list here, we've got Jordi Belair, Tom King, Sherilyn Eaton, um, Eleanor Cassegrand, uh, Michael Yannin, Tom Taylor, Ram V, Brad Walker, and uh, Jorge Fornes. Um, so that's going to be like a anthology type thing, a Batman anthology, which sounds pretty cool. Um, that'll be something that I will certainly be picking up. Um Next on the list for October 31st um, is Ice Cream Man number eight. And this one is Emergencies. All around town, folks are in crisis, but this ambulance ain't stopping for no one, baby. Ice Cream Man continues with another dreary confection. <laughs> so, um, the cover on this one, we've got a... a, a, a like a a team in an ambulance being served ice cream from the back of the ambulance by our man, the ice cream man. Um, And uh, there's an alt cover, which is a clown made with, with like ice cream hair eating an ice cream in a box, which looks pretty creepy. Um, And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm always looking forward to ice cream man. Um, Things that stood out as well for October 31st, this one, struck me because it's just such an odd combination this is the deathstroke and yogi bear special <laughs> what published in by yes yeah, yeah exactly hell. yeah yeah published by dc comics deathstroke and yogi bear so yogi bear on the front cover of this is a very realistic looking bear with a picnic basket and a hat and deathstroke's in front of him and there's all bats and stuff and wolves and deathstroke has his two blades out so the synopsis for this one or the uh the blurb for this one is as follows in yellowstone park legends speak of a spirit bear referred to as the yogi which few if any have actually encountered real or not when a bear seems to have graduated from stealing picnic baskets to kidnapping actual campers ranger smith's decide ranger smith decides it's time to stop this menace so he calls on the services of slade wilson aka deathstroke to get the job done Plus part one of a secret squirrel backup story written by J.M. DeMatteis. So there's some secret squirrel in there as well. But I don't think I'm okay with this. I'm not okay with this. <laughs> well, it looks like he's helping <laughs> Yogi in on the cover. It looks like him and Yogi are buddies. But I don't know. know. Have you seen the variant cover where, oh, where he's... Like, Slade's hiding behind a tree and Yogi Bear's like, like as you said, very realistically yeah. proportioned, like diving into a picnic basket full of raw fish? Yeah. 
Well, uh-huh. he's, he's smarter <laughs> than the average bear, though, right? I guess. <laughs> Pick I it up if you want to, Greg. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to. I just it, it just stood out because it was just so weird. <laughs> like, so fucking weird. But yeah, <laughs> there we go. Yogi Bear and Deathstroke. So that's happening on Halloween. Um, yeah, if you... If it's your thing, pick it up. Um, and there's also the Avengers Halloween special, um, which uh, is also including spooky stories starring the X-Men and Doctor Doom. So I think this is kind of a cursed cavalcade kind of deal. Um, it's uh, quite. It's a short one, though. It's only 36 pages, so it's only a standard comic. Um, but for this one, uh, epic thrills and ghastly horror await in these all-new twisted tales spanning the breadth of the Marvel Universe through the macabre lens of a murderer's row of writers and artists assembled here. See your favourite heroes and villains as you've never seen them before. It must be more than 36 pages. It has to be. Um, that's got to be wrong. But uh, we've got Jerry Duggan, Jen Soska, Jay Boschel, uh, Juan and Ramirez, Jonas Scarf, Jeff Shaw, Robbie Thompson, Sylvia Suska, Rob Free, Ionin Marin, Bob Quinn and uh, Gerardo Zafino working on this one. So... Um, Again, it's looking looking pretty looking pretty cool. And uh, the um, the front cover, uh, the cover for this actually, the standard cover looks. But I mean, the alt cover is um, what looks like the Avengers in a Frankenstein's lab type type setting, uh, a Frankenstein's monster of Cap, Hulk, and I can't make out what that other arm is from. But yeah, it's like a Frankenstein's monster of the Avengers. I think that's the thing. And uh, in the uh, the standard cover, which is the one that I'm looking at, because this one looks really nice, we've got some jack-o'-lanterns of um, Marvel faces, Marvel characters, uh, Avengers, you know, Marvel symbol symbols, Marvel iconography, that type of stuff. And then we've got uh, three kids in uh, in costumes, and a rather we've got Venom as a scarecrow, and uh, these three kids dressed in Avengers outfits, making their way through this pumpkin patch, and it looks really cool. That's that. That's the cover I want if I'm going to buy it, with this menacing Venom scarecrow. Um, the last one on the list is um, it's a what if, and it's what if magic became Sorcerer Supreme, and uh, this is magic Ileana Rasputin. Uh, this is um, Colossus's little sister uh, from the X Men stories, and. Um, this is what would happen if she became Sorcerer Supreme. And this is looking, this looks like something that's pretty cool. Something that I would want on Halloween to read because it sounds pretty awesome. Uh, so before she was magic, Ileana Rasputin was just a kid whom Limbo chewed up and spit out seven years older. So it's no surprise that at 15, she wants nothing to do with the X-Men, nothing to do with the new mutants and nothing to do with her own powers. It's not even surprising that she runs away, but where and who she ends up well that's something you've never seen before so this is what happens if magic becomes the sorcerer supreme so yeah that sounds pretty cool you got anything for halloween ray uh only one sex death revolution by magdalene visaggio sorry writer magdalene visaggio and artist becca farrow um looks really cool uh very quickly go through the blurb life is a story hers is being rewritten still reeling from the sudden collapse of her cover manhattanite sorceress esperanza tries to rebuild um, looks very cool. I'm a fan of Magdalene Visaggio from Eternity Girl, which, uh, if I remember correctly, we talked about it previously on the cast, and I was initially lukewarm on, but eventually came around to to really liking the over like the overall run. Um, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, that's out on the 31st. 
Yeah, so that wraps up the pool list, and that has been Ace Comicals number 46. Leon, unless you've got anything to add for pool list? Yeah, yeah, the, my pool list is mega old, because I am rereading <laughs> Chilling Adventures of Sabrina in the run-up <laughs> to the show, and because it's spooky time, I've dipped into some Junji Ito works. <gasps> nice. Nice. So I'm going to be rereading <laughs> Chilling Tales as well. And yep, um, I'm also going to be going back to my old favourites, my uh, my Batman books uh, that I sort of read every Halloween because I'm weird like that. But, <laughs> you know, like the long Halloween and, and such. Those ones. But yeah, um, that'll be that'll be stuff to add. Well, it's not really a pull list. It's just things I've already got that I'm going back to. But yeah, that'll be stuff to add. So, um I guess we should sign off. So that has been Ace Comicals episode 46. And you can find us at www.acecomicals.com, which serves as as the hub for pretty much everything. Uh, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocketcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn and Castro. Uh, You can listen to us on, you can listen to us pretty much anywhere at this point. Um, you can find us on Twitter under at Ace Comicals. You can find us on Facebook under Ace Comicals. You can find us on Instagram under Ace Comicals. You can find me on Twitter under at Bato. That's B-A-T-T-O-U. And you can find... Ray, where can we find you on Twitter? On Twitter at Monke, M-O-O-N-K-E-H. And Leon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Leon Everett, L-A-O-N-E-V-E-R-E-T-T. Yes, and uh, you can uh, ask us questions by emailing to acecomicals at gmail.com or you can send us questions into our DMs in Twitter or on Facebook as a message and we will be able to answer them for you on the next show. Um, Also, if you are so inclined, you can donate using our coffee page. So if you feel like it, you can donate the price of a coffee if you like what you hear and... All proceeds go to keeping the lights on at the podcast. So everything goes to keeping the website hosted, the podcast up, everything else. So yeah, um, that has been Ace Comicals number 46. And that is Ace Comicals over and out.